Welcome to the Community Development Podcast. A podcast dedicated to community development practice and approaches, sharing our learning and connecting the workforce. My name is Russell. So we're in Rumney in Cardiff, the east of the city in Wales. For the benefit of those people who are listening outside of the UK, and there are a few, welcome uh, to you. I'm in the home of Becky Halford. How are you, Becky? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, thanks for having me, I suppose. We're going to talk about a local project in Rumney that you've been involved in. There's several that you're involved in locally. They all intermingle and interact and interconnect. But we're going to focus on a project called Benthig, which is a Welsh word for the verb to borrow. Uh, B-E-N-T-H-Y-G and it's a library of things, a local library of things which wasn't something I was hugely familiar with, if I'm honest but it's a very simple concept Yeah. I'm curious as to whether future generations will find all libraries a thing of, of the past with threats and cuts to public budgets and expenditure and the declining of, of social infrastructure I know the traditional library of books is something that has been a, a contentious issue in, in your community here in Romney but first of all, Becky, what do people need to know about you? I suppose in relation to Benthig and Rumney Forum, how it all came about and how the the starting point of this like journey of creating these projects and having these ideas was me and my husband moved to Rumney and I discovered I was pregnant and then there was loads of complications and my daughter was premature. So I couldn't work and we ended up being really skint and we just moved up renting this big house and it was really expensive and we were like so skint but across the road was the the Rumney Branch Library. So I used to go there with my daughter when she was little because obviously it's like uh, the whole start of this was like a library, you walk in there and it's free, there's no expectations that you've got to purchase anything or be anything else other than just to u- to use the place, you know, and at that time it was like I'd go in with my daughter the women behind the desk would be like, oh, I got a new book, I got it, you know, and it's like that real sense of community and like knowing each other and looking out for each other. So you walk in there, because I was skint and it was like, it was just like a haven almost for us to just go and um, chill out. And then I walked in one day and they were like, the council are closing the library. And I was just nearly crying, just like, why they can't. And to cut a long story short, got involved with a campaign to save the library, which was called Carl Community Action from Rumley Library ended up being chair like coordinator just by randomly going to a meeting and somebody said who wants to like run it and I was just like well what would you have to do and they were like okay you can do it and that was how I started that so from that it led on to the plans to save the library with the the council plans for the library were to sell the library and invest the money in Lanrummy and St Mellon so Rumney would have ended up with nothing at all Eventually, after like loads of campaigning, the council agreed to do a hub. To pay for the hub, they had to still sell this branch library, which was like just a dedicated library rather than a hub. At the same time as Carl was running, there was a kind of loose ad hoc community group called Rumney Forum, which was bubbling along at the side of that, which some people were involved in both. And uh, so Rumley Forum used to do like events, like um, really, like really lovely community events and stuff like that. So th- these two organisations were running side by side. So when when the decision was made that this they were going to close the library, the two groups of people got together. It's more than just the the books. 
it's the place as well. How do we keep this place? There's something about the place where it was. And like, I suppose the memories attached to it and the people that go there and just like that, that whole thing about where it was and, and what kind of building it was. So trying to cut a long one short here, but so eventually we found somebody in the community to buy the library for, became Rumney Forum then, registered as a, as a CIO. So now we've got this ex-council library and we've got the bottom floor, which is which we uh, we've got a lease with the person who bought it from the council. But we've got a ninety-nine year peppercorn lease, so effectively we we own that bottom floor. It's like full repairing and stuff like that. So we have to take care of of everything, but we don't have to pay rent. So it's like our building. That's how Rumley Forum started, and that is how the building where Ben Thig now resides uh, came about. And, and makes it a sort of a, a pin in the map. Then, as it gives it a, a sense of location. Yeah. So you talk about place, places being important. Yeah. Is there any number of things you've, you've talked about there? I'm interested in all of it, but breaking it down, I'm, I'm struck at how an issue then in the community, a loss of a service, in this case a library, almost provides the means for other perhaps un or loosely constituted community activity around it begins to coalesce yeah. around that issue. It's often often the way. And there's other things you've hinted at there around budget, public expenditure, you know, austerity within the UK and, and, and all that sort of stuff, all of which is hollowing out some of the social infrastructure that we've, that we've got. Yeah. Decline of large industry has also had that sort of impact as well, where they were providing some of the students and the, the workmen halls and yeah. the, the galas and, and, and everything else. And it's interesting that I think, you know, as this social infrastructure declines in, in volume or fees become levied to use it and you made something I think is absolutely fundamental to what is the merit of a library but also lots of other social infrastructure and, and resources that, that, that say workplaces or the, the you know, churches and chapels have provided, trade unions have, have provided in the past, is that it, it's, it's free to access and you said mm. so there's no expectation for you to buy mm. and I think that's, that, that's fundamental and I think what's interesting around things like libraries and some of this other social infrastructure is how you know they're very they can be very democratic, they can be very sort of egalitarian. You know, you can be the wealthiest person in Rumley, walk into Rumley Library, you can still only take out and loan as many books exactly. as the poorest person. And also in, in, you don't you, you take those books back so you don't take you don't clutter up your house with stuff. Look how much stuff we've all got in our house. Go to a library and you take you borrow the stuff a bit and then you take it back. You're not like constantly collecting all this stuff that we all do. And, and most of us will be familiar clearly with um, with, with a library of books. But the library of things is is other stuff, and you can illustrate in, in, in a moment what other sort of things are there. But is it driven by an anti-consumerism? Is it driven by a desire to have less stuff going obsolete and ultimately into landfill or tips or whatever it might be? Are there for a sustainability agenda? What's driving it, or is it all of those things? It's, and is it other it's, things it's as well? It's definitely it's, no. It's definitely it's definitely all of those things. It's the fact that I look around my house and I just see loads of stuff which really is superfluous to what I need. Other people could be using that. We've got so much stuff, like the premise of it is, how many times do you use a drill in a year? You know, you want to put up some shelves, you know. Every person on your street doesn't have to own a drill. We can all share that drill, so then that has benefits then. So when the idea first came about was because I, obviously I told you that I was like skint and I was like, so we had this, we were in this rented house, we had a big garden. And we didn't have a lawnmower. I couldn't afford to buy a lawnmower. And I, because I'd moved further away from my 
where all my friends were had lived so I couldn't just go oh, I need a lawnmower and I didn't feel like I could just go knock on my neighbor's door and go can I borrow a lawnmower so like the, that's where the idea kind of sprang from so it is it's definitely stuff about like that sustainability not having so much stuff consumerism of it all is just obscene sometimes there was a thing on Facebook or something the other day about packaging and in a shop they had a plastic package with here's what you wanted for your birthday nothing and it was just like literally a plastic package with like a ball of air in it as like this novelty gift like what kinds of worlds are we living in where that is seen as like except so who thought that was a good idea when like the planet's dying and people are skint and you're selling a thing of air for three quid so it's all of those things together and also about community because you're going back to the library it's the sense of community where you're going in and you're borrowing this stuff which your neighbour might have lent and you're when you go into that place to get those stuff you're making bonds with people you're meeting new people who else is there who's having a cup of coffee there about that as well so there's a social aspect social definitely a social cohesion aspect definitely 100 percent which is reassuring given I, I was unaware of the the air for Christmas. Yeah. It's very, almost kind of like sci-fi dystopian. It really is. Um, it sounds like some of William, is it William Burroughs or, or you know, David Cronenberg or something? But anyway, that's reassuring that there is that social aspect to it as well. So you talked about drills. I, I don't suppose it, the consumerism is not just about having a drill, it's about having a better drill next year. Exactly. And an even better one the yeah. next year when as does well. it stop? Yeah. And all like plans obsolescence and stuff like that, where you can't like repair some of the stuff that you've got. We're yeah. being cheated and can't. So it's drills, it's lawnmowers, what, what else is it? Just to give a, an illustration so, of flavour for people. Like, uh, we got like various categories we've been cataloguing. We got like tech, we got camping equipment. So that takes up a lot of space. It's also a space issue, like I touched on as well. Take, things that take up a lot of space in your house, we, we have it mm. there. So tents, camping equipment. How often do you go camping or like maybe you want to try camping but you can't afford the couple of hundred quid it would take to get a decent setup as a family to go to go for the first time it's got like tents and cookers and cups and stuff like that we've also got fancy cooking tins for cakes like those bunt tins I don't, I'm not a baker but like they're expensive to buy you might only use it once yeah. say you're a community group and you're starting out and you need a PA for like an event, we've got stuff like that. We've got um, pot plates if you want to do like an event. We've got projectors, all different kinds of stuff that you wouldn't wow. need to use. So it's not all just for individuals in their own homes. No. It's for it's for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, and like we wanted to, we were looking at maybe if we could get like bigger organisations on board, and then that could help us with the sustainability of the money with it to like pay like a fee, and then their members can get to borrow and stuff like that. So we were look, looking at for being for everyone because community groups can use it as well you know mm, 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 so how do you acquire the things in the um, library so we did a lot of research what people might want to borrow and then we put out calls for those things and we had days where people came and donated stuff a lot of it is donated because that's part of like the premise of it like mm. let's not waste mm, all this stuff that's it would just end up in landfill but donated from how far and wide geographical in Cardiff so right. like a Remney Roth splots we've right, had okay. stuff from so you know this side of the city really so what I'm getting at is people recognize that the stuff that they're willing to kind of part with it can go to a charity shop perhaps mm. but actually it's something that they can do and contribute yeah. to locally yeah and there's that sense of, of giving then and, and, and a social responsibility oh yeah 100 percent. and like okay. and we've been quite lucky that most of the stuff that we've had has been in good working order okay. because there's always a danger with stuff like this that you just become like another dumping ground for, for rubbish so mm-hmm. people just think oh, I'll just get rid of it there but people have been actually really good and given us useful 
working stuff and we've got like this big garden shredder this is a big part of it as well we had this garden shredder which is like a big piece of equipment somebody borrowed it and they were like oh the blades were blunt on it but i've sharpened them for you there you go stuff like that that's incredible that's exactly what it is it's like so you you're borrowing it but you if you you make it better as well you contribute yes. to that yeah, yeah, you know yeah. and it's this brilliant so it's almost like internal there's almost like a maintenance yeah. thing happening yeah okay. exactly okay. yeah fascinating so that community input, you touched on something there around, you know, you went out and you asked, which I'm kind of struck by because I think I think very often, you know, a lot of these projects, they can be motivated by internal desires mm. amongst the people involved. Yeah. And we think this should happen. But of course, if there isn't that buy-in, that engagement more, more widely, more, more locally, let alone more widely, it can kind of wither on that vine. Mm. Even if it is inherently and fundamentally good, it has mm. to kind of connect. Yeah. So it's interesting that you, you did that that sort of work but again mm. I'm assuming you're all volunteers involved with yeah. it I just, and there's a limit to what you can, yeah. can can do so are there other ways in which the community has kind of shaped what you do or how you do it I would say that we're on a little bit of a hiatus at the moment because I've recently started working full-time so I haven't been able to give her as much um, like energy as I previously have and that's added, that's been to the detriment of the project because the other people who are involved in that and we're not there as much and there's, there's not that interaction so much anymore so it's at the moment because we are not able to give it what it needs it is kind of we're missing that community mm. interaction mm. with it mm. which is what we need to focus on again so it's, it's difficult as volunteers but it does ebb and flow doesn't it I yeah mean, it that, does that ebb and flow that's true. you have natural yeah. there are natural points within a year within a calendar year maybe through the summer for example I guess more people will get exactly. in touch because they've got more work yeah. on in the garden for argument's sake yeah. so I guess there's a natural ebb and flow both within a an annual cycle for a project mm. depending on its focus but also as well I think just because because energy energy yeah. flows of it's the people involved energy. if somebody was listening to this and going actually that's what we need in the community that I live in how would you suggest people get started what other mistakes maybe that you made that you'd encourage people not to repeat what external support is there you know is there a network I'm, I'm assuming there's other okay. libraries of things out there we've recently got the landfill disposals tax grant for the project for three years but two years of that is to have a paid member of staff and that's because presumably Rumney's within a, a catchment area or a radius radius of a of landfill, the, of site, a landfill site so we quite a large landfill size my isn't this side of there's another round going so if anybody's interested they've just released another round of money for it so we've got the grant and that's for paid member staff and what that paid member staff is going to do is coordinate a group of volunteers for Rumney to take on some of that community interaction stuff and to run it more day to day volunteer wise to do cataloging and stuff like that there's an enormous amount of work you need to have somebody who's got like a good sorted analytical mind almost who can catalogue things and see things like that I'm no good at that the other people in the I look at a spreadsheet and I <laughs> I want to cry I can't do it so you need people like that also part of what the person is going to do in the first year hopefully is to create a toolkit okay. that other people can take this toolkit and hopefully replicate it obviously with some tweaks and changes because every community is different we want benthics everywhere basically but we want to give people the ability to do that we're trying to think about how we fit into as the first one how we we're not precious but we also want to support people and mm. and put it out there so we're going to expand to splot as well okay. into oasis which is a whole new demographic of people oasis 
again, for people who don't know, is a charity based in, in Splot, which is sort of between the city centre and, and Rumley in the east. So you're going, you're going west yeah. towards the city centre. Um, and it's a charity, as my understanding is, and it supports sort of refugees and asylum seekers who, yes. who come to Cardiff. Exactly. Yeah, so that's a, and Repair Cafe are already there, so yeah. we work really closely with Repair Cafe because they're just a natural fit together, so hopefully wherever there's a Benthic there'll be a Repair Cafe and, vi- okay. and vice versa because they naturally fit together. So again, um, again, it strikes me, so that the forum comes about, Benthic comes about because there's an issue and, they, and those groups coalesce around that issue exactly still retain a degree of autonomy and independence and identity and maybe some specific purpose Mm. purposes to their existence you get to a certain level for want of a better way of putting it outgrow where you're currently based Mm. and then you coalesce around other things Mm. and 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 it's this i don't know there's almost it's it's almost like almost like a biological yes organic uh, um, definitely yeah 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 sort of parallel to it and creating those allies and alliances and clearly there's a hugely kind of you know, political, socially important, culturally important aspect to Oasis's work. But I guess some of those people that come through, if not all of them come through Oasis's doors, again, will be in a similar position to what you were describing yourself, mm. you know, with a young child and not working and struggling for money and, and, and everything else. But then also those social connections. Mm. So it seems a natural, a natural fit albeit around a lawnmower or yeah. a, a drill or a things <laughs> that you need to make your make where you are a bit nicer yeah, or yeah, 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 to yeah, go yeah. to go camping for which a is night. not unreasonable it's not unreasonable for people to have those no. basic kind of needs and aspirations so has there been any support for you though i'm always interested in this low level very kind of organic you know community activism taking shape how infrastructure bodies support it or not if it's not needed then get out of the way would be my argument sometimes the best will in the world helping but but not helping is there a wider network out there you're saying you want bent things everywhere it sounds like that you're one of the first library of things certainly in cardiff maybe in south wales wales i don't know further afield so i believe that we're the first library of things in wales okay. i know that in saint melons one of the community development workers over there who worked for one of the housing associations ran like an informal like lending thing where she'd know the tenants in the area and someone needed that and then yeah, she would yeah. bring them together but this as far as i know this is definitely the first situated place where things are stored and people can come in and out and okay. and borrow them but there are other libraries of things in England. Mm-hmm. So in Froome is the chair shop, I think it's called. And how ori- originally we had some of the, the information to start Benthig was because they released a toolkit, okay. um, which was free for anyone to, to look at. And that was that was so helpful. I mean, we didn't use all of it because every, every place is different and situations are mm-hmm. different, but mm-hmm. it was a good understanding of how things work and what, what you need to think about. And there's also the Library of Things in London, in Crystal Palace. And there's one in Portsmouth now just opened as well. So there's like a network, Mm, but mm, the mm. network is between Benthig and lots of different ones in in England. People have told me like years ago there used to be like toy libraries in Cardiff and stuff. It's not a new idea. It's just that we've taken it to like changed it slightly and made it... Yeah. Something different and... Yeah, no, I'm, f- I'm familiar with toy libraries. I can remember sort of community's first grants, the little trust fund going into buying for toys to make them available mm. and things like that, and people would donate. I guess what you're doing is, is, is a much broader demographic for a yeah. start. It's a broader range of, of things. I mean, shouldn't you talk about sort of cataloguing? I mean, you know, you wonder whether, you know, I mean, the librarian 
ism is that a word? Like, you know, being a librarian is a profession, is a skill it in its own self. It definitely is. Volunteers <laughs> can't do this. Yeah, We're winging yeah, it. Like yeah, this should yeah. be the council should be paying or whoever it is for us to spe- like pay people to do this. It's necessary, and people need to be paid. It's hard. And always, what's, what's the cost of not doing it? Is this stuff just taking up space? Going to rack exactly. room, people then buying other things and, 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 and so on. So Thinking yes. they need to buy things that they can't afford yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. It's not just what it is, it's actually, it's, it's, I think it's trying to shift people's perceptions about things as well, rather than just like you have to buy these new things, you don't have to buy these things. It, 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 indeed, and, and, and buying things you don't need with money you don't have, exactly. I think is, is one of sort of late capitalism's... Champagne kind of, lifestyle lemonade wages. Is, like. is one of late capitalism's biggest tricks it's, it, it, it's playing on societies. So... Is Benthic a brand that can be exported or is it looking to see it just emerge and flourish elsewhere? It pollinates wherever that kind of pollen kind of lands? Because clearly as, as volunteers, you know, you're, you're focused on Romney and mm. not a reason. This is where you live. This is, this, is, this is where you're committed to. But you can begin to see this, as I said, pollinating totally. potentially in a lot of different places. But being not a business-minded person, like I would, I want it to succeed but ideally I'd like to run it and make money from from doing it because you do need to have somebody who's committed it's a big thing I don't know how that could work because I don't want to keep ownership of it because it's not my idea it's a thing that we should all be doing and however that happens I just want it to happen what my capacity is to help that and support that happen mm, without mm, being paid mm, for it mm, is mm. coming into question now that I've started working full time and we've got this big grant and it's, and it's changed now from being this thing where which is a really lush idea and feels kind of a bit revolutionary and like you really want to do it to something actually there's all this money in the bank and I don't know what the hell I'm doing you're getting it I think what is always the fascinating come to like a, a junction it's like a crossroads whereby you have to you want to keep going forward. In fact, the momentum behind this almost is pushing you forward, but you know that what comes with that is additional requirements of compliance and insurance and mm. you know, forms of regulation and, and constitutions and AGMs and elections and yeah. officers and all that sort of thing, responsibilities to grant funders. So the 50K grant this year, mm. in two years' time, becomes 100K grant exactly. to, to expand or duplicate your efforts elsewhere and, and so on and so forth. And that actually... All of that at the outset sounds good and grand and ambitious and gives yeah. you some focus and maybe drive and something to aim for, but it can almost chop it yeah. right at the knees, the volunteer energy, the yeah. initial focus, that initial spark. Yeah. And I think those inherent tensions within that kind of community and practice and whether you're a paid or unpaid worker, the growth and the expansion and the energy that goes into it can almost, well, more than almost, it can actually have yeah. the effect of killing what was that initial spark and that initial motive? And yeah, I think it's hard. It's, it's a fascinating tension. It's a scary tension. Mm. And I think it can, it can, it can burn people out. You, you wish people the best of luck and you, you wish them to do well and you encourage them to grow and expand and to have support and to have the grant money coming in. But sometimes it can come at a, a cost internally mm. within the project or the venture or whatever it is. You perhaps, and I'm sure it will work out, but perhaps are at that sort of... Hundred uh, percent, absolutely. Like, and I was meeting with this the three of us who kind of um, do Ben thing together, and we were talking the other day, and one of the other women, and she said, "This is not what I started doing. This is becoming different, and I'm not sure that if this is what I want to do." Mm-hmm. And I feel like that as well. So we got this big pot of funding to get a paid member of staff. None of us want to do that job because it's not enough money or it's, it's not too many hours or whatever. So none of us want to do it. But then yet we're still in a position where we're managing 
that person to do these things. So it's real, and it's like, what? Hang on, we've missed a trick here. Like, what are we, what are we doing? That person will need support. And yeah. They will need supervision. They will need to so have their leave, trick. and they will need to have maybe some expenses covered yeah. and, and all those sorts of things. Yeah. Something you touched on, which I think is absolutely critical when we're doing this work. People have the right to go. Do you know what? That's me done. Yeah. Permanently, temporarily, whatever it might be. And I know in another in relation to another organisation locally, another active activism locally, that's you've kind of got to that stage. Yeah. I think it's fundamentally important that we have almost like a safe space as activists to say, actually, do you know what? That's me done. Yeah. I'm going to take a step back. But it's difficult because people don't want to let others down. They don't want to necessarily give the impression that they're fleeing a sinking ship. Yeah. But it could be that I've just got other things going on in life yeah. or, or maybe it's 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 morphed into something and you touched on it there with, with your colleague. It's morphed into something that's different. And I think everybody should have the right to be able to go, that's me done. Mm. But it's hard when inevitably there's not enough pairs of hands in the first place mm. involved. You know, when it begins to potentially affect people, mm. when it's eating into time, it's undermining kind of relationships and responsibilities that they have, it's eating into that, then actually, yes, we might be having a broader community benefit and a socioeconomic benefit locally. We're bringing people together. And all that, that's all great. But actually, at what cost are the individuals mm. involved? I think it's, it's something that, that often gets lost by funders, it's often overlooked by the support infrastructure bodies, maybe kind of housing providers who are engaged with this sort of work and activity. People have to have that that space, mm. but they need to be almost sometimes need to be empowered to be able to yeah. to take themselves away from yeah. these things. So, you know, we talk a lot about empowerment of people yeah. to get involved. Actually, sometimes these people need to be empowered to cease yeah. their involvement. I think that's fascinating. To pick up on all of that, I. You're talking about Rumney Forum, which Benthig is a Rumney Forum project. So Rumney Forum is the charity. It's got the lease on the library and then Benthig is part of that. So I'm chair of Rumney Forum and I've just recently resigned. Three months after I resigned in a way which was basically I checked my toys out of the pram. I was like, I've had enough! I'm not doing it anymore! All of this, like, you know, and then I was like, no, actually, I'm very sorry. Obviously, I'm stressed out. Came back and then recently I've tendered my resignation but in a far more productive way and um, because I'm on this this mentoring scheme for where I was it's just finished with the women's equality network okay. we were on this speed networking thing and I was saying like I need to I need to step away from this I don't know how to do it I feel like I feel like I'm letting people down I people haven't got the skills that I've got all of these things that I was worried about how, how am I ever going to find anyone mm, to mm, take mm, take over this because it's such a lot of work and one of the women there said to me you need to stop looking at this as a burden because you've got to a point where you're so overwhelmed with it and burnt out, you're feeling like it's a burden, but actually this is a real amazing opportunity for someone to get into the community and do so much good. This is like an, a, an amazing opportunity for someone. So if anyone listening wants to do it, come and do it. Because it is, it's wicked. I wouldn't be where I am with my career if it wasn't for the things that I did at Rumney Forum, but I'm at the point now where I need to step back and it's almost like, I probably should have done it a while ago, but I feel like it's my baby almost, and I don't, I don't want to give it up. I don't, and I've had to come to terms with two options. They just carry on as normal, and I'm like, oh well, I wasn't that useful anyway, which I don't really believe because I want them to carry on, or they can't get more people, and it, you know, so all of these things, I, you know, it's, it's so hard, like, mm. and there's not really the support for that anyway. But you've talked about things there that as things are growing, so on paper, the reports that we write maybe, or the, the forms that we send back to the funders, and all those sorts of things, that it's growing, it's, it's doing all of this, that's good stuff. Yeah. But it's actually coming at a price potentially, and it looks like more or less you've reflected and reflection, we've talked about reflection a number of times how important that is. You've pondered it and gone, actually, no, no, that, that's me done, I need to take a step back. Yeah, for, definitely. For, for whatever, you know, individual personal reasons. 
but there was a risk that it would have come at an increasing price. All of that success in inverted mm. commas locally at a cost to you, home life, family, whatever yeah. it might be. And that is disempowering. You know, so, so people talking, that person who's mentored you in that, that sense is absolutely right. When this is becoming a burden, or at least it's being perceived as a burden, yeah. and I guess maybe perception and reality can be different things, yeah, totally. but some things can be a burden. Yeah. When we talk about capacity building, that can become decapacitating. It's not That's fair on the people. Absolutely. It's not fair on the rest of Rumley Forum. It's not fair on the people who go to the library. It's not fair on anyone. So presumably your toolkit around the Benthic side of things, mm. not, not the broader forum, will that refer to the fact that at some point, if you are successful, you will get to a point where you need people with mm. the kind of the analytical cataloging, mm. you know, the order, those people who, whose desks are always immaculate. Yeah, like, <laughs> who are I've they? I've never <laughs> really trusted these people yeah. um, these because people? it's not me either. You need those people. So if you can get them in at the start, great, mm. but you need to f- find those people at some mm. point. Is it going to touch on some of that? Yeah, or I is think it just the mechanical. No, side no, I think no. It's definitely. I think you you need to have a range of people who have different skills. So you need to have the people who can go out and just uh, if they're in the community already know where the local fun days are and the events are and, and what's going on and go and speak to people. So you need that kind of person who can go out and speak to people. You need somebody who's like business minded who can look at stuff in that analytical way. You need somebody who can build stuff, who can build shelves. You need somebody who knows about surveys and data and stuff like that. You need all different types of people with different skills to make it work. And you need people who can not sell it to the community, because that's wrong, you're not selling it, but be able to get the message out. Yeah, to connect with people. Yeah, to connect with people. It's all about connections. It's about connections and community and making changes together. And That, I think, is a perfect point at which to wrap this up, changing, community, connecting. Thank you for your time, Becky. Best of luck with helping move the forum on, even mm. though you're taking a step back. Who knows, another role, another niche might carve itself out for you that does fit. Best of luck with work and everything else, because our paths crossed on your committee's first programme, and, and so I know you're, you're, you're still involved in this stuff, and maybe another another podcast, another discussion, and at the risk of going off on a tangent now, would, would focus on the work that you do, the paid stuff and the unpaid stuff. Is it a fuzzy boundary between the two, and, and all that sort of stuff, because so often yeah. it is for people. And it would be great to sort of keep in touch. Do you want to plug a couple of links that, that people, if they're curious about what you're doing, if they want to come and have a look at it, to learn from you, you know, setting up a Benthig in Swansea or Glasgow, wherever else it might be, what links might people look at? It's all on Facebook. So if you just search for Rumney Forum on Facebook or for Benthig on Facebook, um, so we're across all social media and just under Rumney Forum or Benthig. Um, also, I'd probably give a plug to the Repair Cafe as well because we're trying to work together. So have a look at what Repair Cafe is doing and where, and where they are so you can take your stuff to be repaired. So say you want to donate something to Benthig and it doesn't work, take it to the Repair Cafe and then come and donate it to us. There's a big connection there. And come and have a look at the old library. There's lots of stuff going on there. So we do like knit and natter groups and uh, there's singing and obviously Benthig is open as well. And we do like a fair share food scheme for people who are in food poverty. And it's basically you just need to self-identify that you need it. So if anybody needs anything like that, come and see us. And if anybody wants to be chair, get in contact with me. It's an amazing opportunity. I'm not just saying that. It really is. It's like taught me so much. So just get involved really a little bit of housekeeping before we wrap up the last podcast we did which was episode 14 was with Kerry Cunnington from Blind Fistiniog Dave Horton from Ely and Kyra in the west 
of Cardiff. We were looking at rural and urban distinctions in community development, which was a fascinating discussion. And before that, I did a very, very short monologue, I guess, around you know what is community development or what it, what I think it is or what it means to me. And it was as a contribution to the Mapping Community Media Workshop that uh, Rob Watson, Dr. Rob Watson from Decentered Media, uh, University of Leicester um, had um, hosted, uh, which I unfortunately couldn't get to. And again, we we're looking to do something with Robin's new course around you know, community media, which is you know, podcasts, but also other forms of, of community media, such as radio and YouTube channels and things. And it could be something that other people are looking to, to get involved in. And, and Rob's got any amount of contacts and expertise, has become a friend of the podcast as well. And I also get asked quite a bit, even though it's sort of nine, ten months since Communities First ended, about the programme, and I um, penned a short blog that's essentially a, a sort of short-potted history of the programme right from day one, right through to the end, that covers all sorts of political aspects of the programme, covers some of the internal mechanics of it, some of the funding streams, etc., etc., and might be of use if, uh, if people are looking retrospectively at large-scale sort of government programmes, community development programmes, tackling poverty, anti-poverty programmes. It was all of those things. It was none of those things in the minds of some people. I think it will be an interesting thing to look back on in future years, whether it's from academia or, or sort of casual research within the within community development sector as this programme, because my gut feeling is these big, large-scale state programmes, their they, days have gone. And maybe Communities First was the last sort of roll of the dice of this sort of thing. I may be proved wrong, but, um, but that's there on the blog as well. So until next time, thank you once again, Becky. Thank you.